Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. Now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening and welcome to the program. My name is Michael Anthony Ingram, and tonight my very special guest is Maureen Mays. Maureen, how are you? I am doing wonderful. And it's a pleasure to be here tonight, so thank you. I really appreciate well, that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Let's begin this journey together, all right? You ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. Okay. What is poetry, Maureen? What is poetry? Ooh, in my own words, you know, poetry is the art of words. Simple enough, but it's the art of words. Now, when you say the art of words, what do you mean by that? Tell me a little bit more. What do I mean by that? I mean the syllables. I mean the definitions behind the words, the perception behind the words, and how they all come together to form a unique art piece that is beneficial, healing, entertaining, whatever that is, to the person's ears who, who is listening. Beautifully stated, beautifully stated. Why then, and this is just a little different twist on it, why is poetry important? What does it give us? Well, you know, I think poetry is important because it's a powerful, it's a powerful art. And it's an art that can be used for so many things. You know, like I said, healing. Um, educating, mm-hmm. entertaining, um, even communicating. And I'll even add in self-reflection. Wow. Very nice, very nice. Please share a poem. Oh, I thought you would never ask. <laughs> so the poem that I'm going to share is The Color of Life. Uh, This poem is one of my very first poems, and um, it's in my first book, and it's called The Color of Life. Bear with me. I just lost the page. Hold on. It's all right. That's what happens when you're in real time, but it's okay. Yeah, it is okay. It is okay. You know, while you're looking, this is a call-in show, and we've got people calling in who want to talk to you. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yes. But let me read my piece first. Let me read my piece first. Okay. I'm going to read my piece first since I found it. (laughs) Good. So this is called The Color of Life. The color of life looks like green but writes out purple. Tastes like the color orange. Smells like yellow. Looks like a box of Crayolas. The color of life bleeds black. 
shouts fiery red, cries big blue tears, hurts in gray, loves in dark red, vomits in pink. The color of life is me and you, true to the Crayola hue. So many different shades of the makeup which composes the color of life. And that's that piece. Wow. Wow. Very nice. Very nice. The color Thank of life. You. The color of life. Why is that an important poem to write? I think it's an important poem to write because I think it's okay that we all have different perceptions. I believe God made us all unique and he gave us the power of communication. We can communicate those different perceptions and such. That's the advantage that we have over other things that he has created. All right, very nice again. Let's bring in a caller. The call-in number is 646-787-1631. So I'd like to bring in the very first caller to speak with Maureen. Good evening, area code 240. The first three numbers are 381. You're on the air with Maureen. Do you have a question for her? Hello? Well, maybe they're just here to listen. Okay. Okay. Let's try this next caller. Area code 301, the first three numbers are 500. You're on the air with Maureen. Do you have a question? I think they just want to listen, too. Okay. All right. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine as well. Well, let me ask this question. What are some of the predominant themes of your work? Hmm, the predominant themes. Hmm. Well, I would say truth or um, uncovering feelings that one may be having difficulty communicating. And I'll say that because when I do perform, at the end, a lot of people come up and they thank me for sharing that piece because it was their truth. So I'm going to say I guess that is one of the predominant things, unless someone tells me something different because I'm, I'm still on this journey of, of figuring out what that is, what, what's my purpose in this powerful art form. Well, speaking of your purpose in this powerful art form, what was an early experience where you learned that poetry had power? I guess the most earliest experience, I would say, and I, and I hate to sound like a broken record, um, yeah. I'm thinking about the first time I actually spit on the mic. It was years ago, and um, it was hosted by Kaniki Jakarta, who is now Alex, Alexandria's Poet Laureate. And it was freeing to be able to write a piece and it resonated with someone else. It didn't care. I didn't care if it was one other person, but it resonated with others in the audience. And that's a powerful thing, I think, to be able to connect with someone that you don't know, that's a stranger, mm-hmm. and you're and you're writing out something, and you read it days, weeks, months later, and then it resonates with someone else. Mm. 
What did you learn about yourself from that night? Well, I remember my girlfriend giving me a high five and was like, you did that, girl. (laughs) And I didn't think I was, you know, I didn't think I was hot that night. You know, it was one of my very first times sitting on the mic, and they were so hyped, and God bless her soul, my my girlfriend's sister actually passed away, and she, you know, mm. she was like, oh, you did that. You did that, girl. And just the energy in the car that night. All that, right. That type of energy can't be bought. No, it can't. I like that statement. It can't be bought. Now, when you think about a poem, how does a poem begin for you, with an idea, a form, or an image? Hmm. I'm going to say neither. I'm going to say a feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me more. It's a it's a feeling, and it's and I'm going to also say it's the feelings of others. Um, it's, it's their energy, you know, and energy has to go somewhere all the time. Yes. It doesn't matter if it's positive energy or negative energy. And one of the ways that I release energy is through writing. Yeah. Well, share another poem. All right. I thought you would never ask. <laughs> so I'm still reading from my first book, The Color of Life in the House of Me. And this poem is called Volume. Sometimes the wind blows too strong. Sometimes the rain just pours too much. Sometimes transition feels like this, the evolution of me shifting through, through the all in all of this life, depressed, anxious, stressed, frazzled. It's life's adjustment to the volume of tests, circumstances, and unforeseen situations. Chasing the peace that I see up ahead, it's these growing pains. Modification of change, not unwanted, but not right now. Dealing with life on life's terms, and that's that piece. Wow. That sounds like my life story. Oh, wow. Dealing with anxiety, anxiety, you name it, I deal with it. So that Mm. I I resonated with that piece more than you know. Oh, well, I'm glad you did. Yes. We've got another caller. Let's see if we can bring this person on. All right. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Area code 240. The first three numbers are 691. You're on the air with Maureen. Welcome. Welcome. Hello, Maureen. Hi. How are you? I'm well. How about yourself? I'm good. Thank you for joining us tonight. Glad you're here with us. I am All right. too. Do you have a question for Maureen? How did you get the courage to speak your word out loud in front of others? Mm, great question. Great question. Oh, that is a great question. Courage. You know, every time that I share. I have to get that courage all over again. You would not believe that I still 
am nervous during open mics. Um, I'm still nervous when um, I'm about to publish a book when I'm when I'm sharing my my art form. So courage is something that I work on every time I I recite a poem. Every time. I have to share because the vulnerability piece is very real. So the only thing I can say is, um, I guess, practice and doing it scared. Yep, doing it scared. Well, thank you, ma'am. I have to take All that right. to heart. All right. Well, thank you for calling. You know, I like that statement, doing it scared. That is so powerful. You need to coin that one. Maybe you already have. But that's a beautiful statement. <laughs> beautiful statement. Now, all great writers have great writing influences. Who are some of yours, and what makes them special in your eyes? Um, You know, I really admire Dr. Maya Angelou. Um. I remember being in school, going to the school library and just stumbling upon her work and reading about, well, reading her novel, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, and, you know, reading her poetry, I'm a Phenomenal Woman, and, you know, if you if you know the story of Dr. Maya Angelou, um, she really took her story and turned it upside down, and what do I mean by that? Uh, Dr. Maya Angelou, if, if you read her story, you know, she was raped, she was mute. Um, her parents sent her across town on a train when she was a little itty-bitty thing to go live with her grandmother. I mean, the time frame that she lived, she really took her story and not only wrote it, but she owned it, and she turned it upside down. And... Um, I think the beauty of her story is that we got it from her mouth, how she lived and how she breathed before she took her last breath. No one did did a, did a documentary, you know, on her when she was dead. No, she took her story, and she made sure that she told her story before she left this earth. So we got it fresh, and I think that's very powerful. And I think she had a lot of lessons in her story. And, you know, going even further, I think we all have a story. And, um, yeah, I I would say Dr. Maya Angelou. So, yeah. That's beautiful. Well, let's take a brief break and we'll be right back. Thank you. 
646-787-1631. Maureen, please share a poem. Oh, great. I would love to. I would love to. I'm still reading from the first book, The Color of Life in the House of Me. And this is called In This Book I Write. In this book I write, thoughts long, deep, too sad to speak, insane thoughts that I must keep hidden, suppressed, inside my heart, chiseled in my mind, branded in my soul. Thoughts of mine can't get out, maybe misunderstood if shared. The feeling of scared will paint eyeballs midnight blue, will wash faces with sadness too. They can't be handled by you, and sometimes me too. And that's that piece. Oh, wow. Do you think someone can be called a poet if they don't feel strong emotions? Well, I would never judge another poet. Okay. And I would never judge anyone else's style. But I must say that that's my driving energy, what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. So what does that do for you when you're writing, this emotion, when you're channeling it into words? How does that, how do you process that? Hmm, let me hear that question again. Emotions, what do they do for you? Emotions for me, and, I, and I'm cheating because I got this from a sermon a long time ago. And I believe it was from Dr. Jill Cloud from the Soul Factory. And what she said was, emotions are indicators. However, they're indicators, but when you, when you have indicators, you still got to check them because they're not always true. And mm-hmm. I'll even take that analogy and use it on a car. You have these lights on a car that, that are indicators, like the check engine light will come on or, you know, different lights, and you have to check the indicator and find out what's going on. So that's what I do with emotions. They're indicators to make me dig and uncover what else is up under there. Now, when you're writing and with these emotions and these indicators, is it primarily like aha moments when you look at it again, when you walk away from it and come back to it, like, wow, I can't believe I said that or I wrote that? No, I, I honestly would have to say no, and I guess that's the humble part of me. Mm-hmm. When I'm releasing something, it's it's just that I, I've just released it. The aha moment comes when someone else resonates with it, and they say, oh, man, that really blessed me. Oh, man, that, that resonated with me. Okay. Well, let me ask this question. You've written four books, am I correct? Four or five. You are you are correct. Four books. Four books. Does writing energize or exhaust you? It doesn't exhaust me. It leaves me in a better state of mind. Um yeah, so I, I guess energize not necessarily so. I, I would prefer the, to use the word peace. It puts me at a. It puts me at rest. 
you at rest. Yeah, it's like a releasing. You know, even like even like when you're praying, and yes. if you have something heavy, and you're able to pray and just release it. Yes, I do know. And that's what poetry does for you in writing. Yes. Wow. Well, let's hear another one of your pieces. Okay, great. So I'm going to read from us. From my second book, Love Still Smiles on Dark Days. And this is somewhat of a favorite amongst some. And this is called Butterfly Kisses. with me one moment. Oh, yes, no problem. Perfect. So this, again, so this is Butterfly Kisses. I'm sending butterfly kisses that feel like the lips of a two-year-old little girl. Kisses to my sister's who will never allow me to grow old. Whispers of silly seeds and tears of real life rolling down the cheeks of yellow, brown, pink, caramel, chocolate-coated faces, where blood never was the relation. I'm sending prayers that will send the devil stomping further into hell, prayers more powerful than thunder from above. I'm sending love, love that smells like fresh morning rain, that touches your heart gently, like that of a dove. I'm sending chocolate candy-coated smiles that are colored Kelly Green to you. As I miss you, the closeness, the nearness, the realness, the sincerity of you, where blood was never the relation. I call you in the wee hours of the morning, and you pick up with, are you okay? Because you feel my hurt and you pat it right up. You root for me when I have no more cheer. You console me and hide my tears. You bathe me in love and cover me with laughter. You scold me when I need it the most. You remain constant through ex-husbands, deaths, promotions, births, graduations, sickness, and celebrations. You relate to me when I believe no one can. You share the embarrassing keys to your closet, only to find that we have the same skeleton. I am my sister's keeper, whether far or near. Mi casa su casa, where the front door is wide open. The refrigerator has no restrictions. And if you ask why, I'll just have to remind you that I send butterfly kisses, kisses to my sisters. I am my sister's keeper. And that's that was that. beautiful. Beautiful. Thank Beautifully you. written. Thank you. 
see why that's a favorite. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> you know, they say that to see the world in complete honesty, one needs to look to comedians, artists, and poets. What do you think emerges naturally from your work? Hmm. What emerges naturally? Yes, from you. Well, the first word that came to my mind was truth. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. perhaps perhaps the truth, whether it's my truth or whoever is listening, their truth. You know, in this world, so much is happening. The good, bad, and indifferent of life. What do you view as being the role of a poet in modern-day society? Well... You know, I I think about Nina Simone, and, you know, one of the things that Nina Simone said is that the the job of the artist is to, um, I'm getting all the words wrong, it's all jumbled up in my head. Um, That's okay. Is to uh, basically, um, I'm putting my own words, but resonate with the time. You know, it's almost like we're history keepers. Um, and I can't remember her exact quote, but um, I look at, you know, and, and I am a lover of history. I just think it's, it's adequate as an artist to be able to capture through their art the, 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 the sign of the times. To capture the signs of the times. I like that. All right. I'm there. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I mean, you're speaking in such profound ways, I don't know how to follow it. <laughs> oh, stop. Stop. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm enjoying our conversation. <laughs> this is some well, more thank you. I'm enjoying it, too. I'm enjoying it, I'm too. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. Let's hear some more of your poetry. Okay. Well, I'm still reading out of my second book, Love Still Smiles on Dark Days. And this also has been a fan favorite, and it's called Deathstro. Some days I wake up and the sun is too bright. I play with the thought of death. Not that I will pull the trigger, swallow the pills whole, step off the chair until the air leaves my soul, ball my fist to slice my wrist. The sun is shining and the air is cool on a comfortable, crisp September morning. But it gives me no comfort today. The negativity even makes the sunshine dull. I am consumed by thoughts of death because life has tied my hands behind my back. I sit. I sit like this. I contemplate, not of death, but just the mere fact of being. I know death is not the answer, but what is? That is the question. That is the question that occupies into my thoughts, the thought of not knowing. Makes tears roll down my 
makes tears roll down my eyes, hands still tied behind my back. Lies appear in the sun's rays in plain sight. My focus back at the question, the question that seems to move at the beat of the morning air. It doesn't move fast. It doesn't move slow. It moves without rhythm as it dances around the answer. Father, take this cup that has become too hot for my lips to sip, too hot to even hold, too hot to blow. It contents toxic, messy, confused. Let my burdens be free and let my surrender be my last plea. And that's that piece. Powerful. Powerful and deep. The not knowing is the question. Yes, and I'm actually um, prior service. And that piece resonates with me with fellow soldiers that have PTSD or people I've, you know, gone to basic with and it's, you know, things are just different based upon, you know, their experiences and what they were exposed to during their military career. So um, that's that piece is, you know, dedicated to all my soldiers who are dealing with Destro. So the title itself is based on, is that a military term? It's not a military term. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if I dissect the poem, before you even get to the point of suicide yes, or the thoughts, there's other things that are that are happening. And death stroll is, is my way of taking those energies and feelings and thoughts of, of what has been shared with me and putting that in and putting that in the poem um although i haven't thank god had suicidal thoughts or um ptsd in in that manner um you know just talking to others or just experiencing other things as it relates to being in the military or not even being in the military but possibly just dealing with different things in life that makes you go to that point where you're starting to walk down this path of of suicidal thoughts and then the suicidal act. Mm -hmm. Wow. Share another poem. Okay. So I'm still reading from Love Still Smiles on Dark Days, and this poem is called Life. Life is learning and experiencing other people's mistakes and making better decisions from them. That's that piece. Mm. Would you share that one again? <laughs> I, I sure will. I sure will. <laughs> Life is learning and experiencing other people's mistakes and making better decisions from them. short and sweet and to the point. And it's true. If it you think true. about if you think about this life we live and if we sat back and really instead of, you know, cuz nowadays, you know, you do more talking 
than listening and learning. You know, you want to talk about people's situation. You want to post about people's situation. But if we just kind of sit back and learn and, and, and you know, kind of experience other people's mistakes, we can really learn from them, and we can make better decisions from them. That's true. You know, it's funny. When I'm teaching a class, I'll always share with the students, especially when I teach communication classes, especially I work with parents who are in custody disputes, to be quite honest. And I share with them that if you know better, you should do better. Yes, absolutely. Oh, it would make the world a better place. (laughs) It would make the world a better place. I just want to hear you. You know I'm right, Michael. You know I'm right. Yeah, I know you're right. (laughs) Share another poem. I got 3,000 questions, but I want to hear your voice tonight. Okay. The poem, this poem doesn't have a title because it's fresh, hot off the press. I believe I wrote it this week, if not last week, and I have shared it on Facebook. And this is this piece. This is not defeat. She will rise again. Today, self-care wins. Love for self trumps all. The mental state of mind, body, and soul is the priority. When too many times it's last on the list. Because all too often, the narrative becomes an unrealistic script of what we should, what we should do, what we should say, what we should wear, what we should feel. The rehearsed you, the representative of the person that shows up in spite of you. This is not defeat. She will rise because she never failed. Today, everyone wins because it's no longer okay to pretend Be the best you by intentionally choosing the best for you, even if it means to let go. And that's Mm. that piece. You know, you speak with such conviction. What is the relationship? Yes, yes, you do. Yes, you do. What is the relationship between your speaking voice and your written voice? Hmm. The relationship. Well, I, you know, I have been told that my my speaking voice is strong and clear, and I don't necessarily know what that means because I'm just being myself. But okay. when you talk about the relationship between your written voice and your speaking voice, um, I guess I can only believe that my written voice is the same. And conveying okay. to the reader a clear and concise message. So when you're up on stage at an open mic, you're the same person. Oh, when I'm on the stage, I'm Maureen. <laughs> I'm Maureen. That I'm Maureen up there. <laughs> Tell me more about Maureen up there. <laughs> well, let me let me first go back a little bit. Let me take okay. a step back. So I used to yes. write under a ghostwriter name. That oh, ghostwriter name was me. Yes. That ghostwriter name was me, M-E-I, Mina Shama. And in my first book, um, the name of the book is called The Color of Life in the House of Me, which is M-E-I. So Mina Shama 
was a pen name. It was a ghostwriter name. And I have a little short short piece that goes with that. And it's, she is amazing. Backwards, me and I. The bigger than life, atypical, unique character birthed out of death. Painting the feelings from within to color the pages of life with all 777 colors of the rainbow. With even more pictures to paint now. So without further ado, I introduce you to Simply Me. Spell M-E-I. So that was my ghostwriter name, Mina Jama, because at the time, I guess I just wasn't ready for Maureen to come out. Now, Maureen is my birth name. It's my middle name. Okay. It's okay. Maureen Mays is the name my parents gave me. And when I started to get back into writing and getting back into open mics, because, you know, I have, I have teenagers now, so I kind of took a break. I was still writing. I took mm-hmm. a break to, you know, focus on, on my children and, you know, raise my children. However, when I, when I came, when I, I hate to use the word came back, but we're going to use came back because I don't know another word right now or term. When I came back, I decided it was an intentional decision to use Maureen Mays. And Maureen Mays is the person you see on stage. It's the person that I see when I'm brushing my teeth in the morning. That's me. That is her. That is she. And the one of the reasons why I used me and me I was at the time I was going through a divorce, and that was the only thing I wanted to be, me and I. That's it. I didn't want to be anybody's wife. I didn't. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to fulfill any facade that I was that I was fulfilling at the time. So I took on, you know, me Najama and Najama is amazing spelled backwards with a Z. And that was my that was my ghostwriter name. So Maureen is essentially me, but it's all of me. Maureen is all of me. That is the name my mom calls me. When she's mad at me or when she's proud, I'm Maureen. That's all of me. Wow. Let's take a brief break and we'll be right back. (laughs) That is so powerful. We'll be right back. back. I am Michael Anthony Ingram. I'm here with the one and only Maureen Mays. We've got some more callers, Maureen. Oh, great, great. Let's see who's on the line. Let's see who's on the line. You're an old at this, I can tell. All right. Erica 202. <laughs> 246, you're on the air with Maureen. Good evening. 
Good evening. Hello. You can hear me? I can hear you, yes. Awesome. Hi, Maureen. This is Rebecca. How are you doing? <laughs> yes, well it's good to hear it's good to hear your story. I'm learning so much about you um in, in this conversation. So I thank you, Michael, for the questions that you're asking. My question yes. so that I'm not too long winded is when you took a break, so to speak, um, to take care of your children, how was how was that for you as a writer? Was it peaceful or did you feel the poems nagging at you? How did you kinda of navigate through that? Great question. Oh, that is a great question. So while I was raising my kids, I was still writing. So whether it was on napkins, on notebook papers, um, when I actually got back to publishing, I literally had to take all them napkins and notebooks and pull them all out and clean it all up for the, the publisher. Um, I had a novel that I had been holding on to for years, and, and during that time I you know, worked on the novel a little bit. You know, when novel writing to me is very different from poetry writing. Um, a lot of times the characters would talk to me, you know, in my head, and I would, you know, have to get to a computer, piece of paper, you know, write it down so that I wouldn't forget. Um, Jay-Z, I may get it wrong, said this, and it always resonated with me. Um, he didn't want to release a song because he felt like it wasn't finished. And that's how it felt with the novel. But although it wasn't finished, he said the song, he knew he had to let it go. And with the novel that I was writing, I knew it was time to let it go. I had held on to it so long um, that it, that I was becoming to get sick with perfectionism of, um, you know, just trying to make sure that it reads well and reads right. And one of my favorite, you know, my girlfriend thinks I'm crazy, but one of my favorite reviews is when someone read this novel and they said, it could have been better because she just left me. She just left me. Hmm. And, you know, it's one of my favorite reviews because I think it's so raw and I think it's so true to the perception of that reader that I just left him. But what he doesn't realize is that at that time I had to let this story go so that the characters in my mind could start a new fresh and begin to talk to me again so I could tell part two of that story. All right. Do you have another question? No, not at this moment. Thank you so much for, for what you're saying. I'm going to keep listening, and maybe, you know, you can come back to me. But thank you, Maureen. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the support. We've got two more calls here, Maureen. You're very popular, very popular. Oh, stop, Michael. You're you you, 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 you <laughs> making my head dead. Stop it on a Wednesday. At least do it on a Friday. Oh, 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 Area code 301, the first three numbers are 908. You're on the air with Maureen. Uh, I believe it's me. Um, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, yes. great. Um, my name is Mark May. I happen to be Maureen's dad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I would tune in. I didn't realize uh, it would be this easy, you know, with the technology and all. Yes, um, yes. Just a phone call away. Yeah. Um, I don't have any questions. 
Um, Hi, Dad. I like. Hey, daughter. <laughs> hey, daughter. How you doing? Good, good. So I'm glad to hear your voice. I, I didn't. <laughs> Likewise, I didn't call her Maureen. I called her daughter. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> and, uh, I would just like to congratulate you on your endeavors in writing, on your endeavors as a mother, uh, as a career woman, as a writer. And um, thank you for being you. Um, And I just find that to be so important for people, for people to be who they are, opposed to what other people desire us to be. Yes. And, uh, again, I just take my hat off to you being yourself. Uh, I love you immensely, without question, and uh, very proud of you. And each day I thank God for you. And, um, again, I'd like to just, you know, wish you continued success in your endeavors as to whatever it may be. And uh, right, thank well, you for allowing me to participate in this yes, conversation. thank you. Thank you. Beautiful words. Well, Michael, I'll, I'll, those were flowers, and I'm I'm happy that I'm in the land of the living to take those mm. flowers. So those were flowers. Thank you, Dad. That's all right. I like that. All right, we've got one more caller here. Wow, Maureen. Okay, great. <laughs> Area code 240. The first three numbers are 586. You're on the air with Maureen. Good evening. Hot. Hello, Maureen? Yes. Yes. Good evening. Hi, How good are evening. You? Hi, my name is Kim. Um, I was calling. I wanted to try to find out, like, what made you, what are your, do you have any Renaissance artists, poets that kind of help influence you in the way you write and the, the, the stories you tell? I don't, you know we have a I lot don't of have any. You know, I talked a little bit about Maya Angelou, but as it relates to, um, you know, people that, that I know, I, I, I have to say that um, Kaniki Jakarta was very influential, and she probably doesn't even know it. She is the poet laureate of Alexandria, the first black female poet of Alexandria, Virginia. And she actually, her and her husband, who is also a poet, 13, published my first book, and she was the first female poet that I that I can remember that spit and left an impression on me. So just seeing her and just in awe and just having the honor of her publishing my book, she will always, you know, be influential, you know, just, just her walk. You know, sometimes you just see people and just their walk. And I guess um, overall, the poetry community overall, I would say, it's a, it's a very loving community um, with not a lot of, uh, well, I, I can say I haven't experienced it as it relates to negativity. It's very accepting. 
very loving. Um, even Dr. DuPont that was the one that asked the question. She's also a poet. Make sure you vote for her because she's nominated in the DMV Renaissance Award. Um, award. So that's amazing to me to just see so many people that I watch in the DMV um, to see that they're nominated, to see that they're being recognized, you know, for their art, for their beauty. So I would definitely say uh, Kanika Jakarta as well as the poetry community um, as a whole. All right, caller. Thank you. you have another question? That. All right. Uh, no. Well, thank you. All right. Thank you. I need to ask you one question. Now, you need to answer this truthfully, okay? Uh oh. Well, uh oh. <laughs> Should I be no. scared, Michael? Oh well, I'm no. just answer scared if I am, huh? That's right. <laughs> Didn't you say scared, but do it anyway? <laughs> do it anyway. Do it anyway. It's a simple question. Do you think that you were meant to be a poet? Ah, I don't even know how to answer that, Michael. Um, do I think? I was meant to be a poet. I think I was just meant to be, you know, be. Okay. That's it. So if that's a poet, I knew you were answer then so be it. I knew you were going to answer that way, but I'm going to push you a little bit further. <laughs> Do you know it that you were meant to be a poet? Probably not. Probably not. Tell me more. Tell me why. Probably not. So. The book that I just released is called Because She Had Something to Say, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that book. Well, I, I made that the title because, you know, whether I say it or not, I always have something to say. Now, does that mean I'm a poet? I don't know. Does that mean I'm a writer? Does that mean I'm a speaker of some sort? I don't know. I'm, I just want to be. B-E, that's it. I don't want to be put in a box. Boxes okay. are for cereal, and I'm not cereal. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you need to coin that, coin that one, too. That's a nice one. Boxes are for cereal, and I'm not cereal. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> you no false flakes here. <laughs> All poets have several words that come up over and over and over again in their work. What are three of your absolute favorite words to use? Oh, that's easy. I won't complain. And I know everybody who knows me who are on the call is laughing right now because I won't complain. That's, That's what I use over and over again. And thank you, everyone who's listening. I really appreciate your support out there. But that's what it'll be, Michael. I won't complain. I won't complain. All right, then. I think we have one more caller here. Looks like one more, and if not, we'll say hello again. Okay. Area code 301. The first three numbers are 780. You're on the air. Hey, how are you? I'm quite well. And yourself? Good, good. And um, what a pleasure to hear her uh, talk about her uh, experience as a as a poet and a writer and an author. It's pretty pretty amazing. Um, have one question, which is, as an amateur poet or those who dabble in a little bit here and there, 
when you think about speaking in an open session, which is one of those things that I had issues with, how do you feel comfortable speaking out or speaking your piece while also worrying about if somebody's just going to snatch it up and create it for themselves? You know, you kind of speak in these forms. You walk away saying your piece and hoping that somebody didn't just take it, put it in their own book, and call it theirs. How does how does mm-hmm. one protect themselves from that? Mm-hmm. Another great question. Well, um. Well, you definitely want to copyright your work. Um, I'm not – well, let me let me say this. Let me pull it back a little bit. So when I go up and speak, in my mind, because I'm an artist first before business, and that might not be the best thing to be, but when I'm speaking or when I'm sharing, I'm an artist. You, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm just speaking my truth. I'm not thinking about the, the business part of it, the aspect of someone stealing my work and copying it and, and making it their own. And I believe in karma, you know, if, if that's stealing. So if someone did that, you know, mm, child, they got something coming out. I, I don't even know what it's going to be, but... Mm. <laughs> Oh, I, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, that's just one of those things that open mic nights and you want to see your thing. And I was like, man, I wonder if somebody's just going to turn this into theirs, all my hard work and blah. So yeah. just thought it would be an now, interesting question to ask. Now, another thing I want to kind of add on to that, if the piece is just that good that it resonates like that, right, people right. are going to remember People, yes. especially if you say the piece over and over again, this is yes. something that you perform. Yes. People are going to mm-hmm. remember, and they're going to take your name and attach it to that piece. And it, it'll, it'll get True. back because social media is real and everything is out in the open. It'll oh, get yeah. back. And like True I said, that. karma is real. <laughs> yes. Well, I agree Appreciate in terms that. of repeating it over and over and over again so that people get to know you and relate you with that poem. I mean, I understand that. That's a very important point, Maureen. Very nice. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you, sir, for calling. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. right. He had a nice voice, too, Michael. Yeah, nice voice. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably going to be a star. You never know. Probably is already a star. Already a star. (laughs) All right. And don't even know it. And don't even know it. Don't even know it. Uh, we've got time for one more poem, maybe two more. Two more. Let's squeeze in two. Oh, what to read? What to read, Michael? What to read? Um, okay. I'll read from the fourth book because she had something to say. I don't think I ever read this piece out loud, so I'll share this piece. And it's called Outside the Box, Living in the Box, because you got me thinking about boxes now. <laughs> All around me. Lines and such, square, rectangle, check this box here. They put me in a box where there's, where there's little room to express and stretch. Even the restroom is square, but the seat is round. Even my house, squares that are boxes. I never desired to live in the boxes they made for me. No boxes for me. My brain does not compute, never understood the way you wish to tame me. Don't get a bigger box. Just let me roam free doing me. And that's that piece. <laughs> Boxes. All right, one Boxes. more. One more, please. One more okay. for the road. 
one more for the road. So I'm still reading from my fourth book, and this is the piece that I normally close out with when I'm doing a show, and it's called Perfect Relationship. It's gentle. It's kind. It's safe. It's restful. It's generous. It's peaceful. His love is the gift that keeps giving in every season. He sends blessings, winter, spring, summer, and fall. He doesn't cost me anything, but it's not free. It's worth everything, but there's no price to pay. This relationship always takes me by surprise. This relationship makes me better by and by. This relationship has saved my life. Your love is the revelation that I understand by and by. It was unconditional, unconditional. It was unconditional. You stay when no one else remains. Your friendship means everything to me. I can't pay back your grace. I can never pay for your mercy. I can never pay for your kindness. I can never repay for your strength. Your abundant, tender love is harmless. It's unconditional, unconditional. Unconditional. Glory and honor. Glory and honor. You can't buy this kind of love. Glory and honor. You can't buy this kind of love because he is so worthy. He's worthy. God, you're worthy. God, you are worthy. We receive your love joyfully, and we won't question it. Perfect relationship. And that's that piece. Oh, wow. Where can readers find your work? Readers can find my work at mmauthor.com. I'm also affiliated with um, Legacy Book Bar, which is a black-owned female bookstore in Baltimore. Yay, Legacy Book Bar. You can find my books there. And you can also find my books on Amazon, Google Books, Barnes & Nobles, Thrift Books, and Goodreads. All right. How can readers stay in touch? Oh, just type my name in Facebook, type it in Instagram, type it in LinkedIn, type it in Pinterest, and I'll be around. That's a song, but I ain't going to sing it. <laughs> right. What is next for you? What's next for you? Wow, what is next? Well, I'm actually working on um, some ghostwriting projects for other people as well as I'm going to do a collaboration um, around the end of the year with um, Laura DeFranco. Um, she is uh, the Brave Healer Productions. I don't know if you if yes. you all have heard of it, but check her out. She is bad. The woman's bad. But um, I will be in the Ultimate Guide to Self-Healing. Um, it will be Volume 5. And, you know, I, I do host a open mic called Wine and Words. Um, it has been on hiatus, you know, due to COVID because I definitely want to be mm-hmm. safe and, you know, not put anybody in harm's way. But those are the next two things that I have um, cooking up. So just stay tuned for Wine and Words. Well, I wish you nothing but the best. And Thank I'm... you, Michael. <laughs> Thoroughly enjoyed our time together tonight, and I want you to come back on the show again. I did too. Oh, <laughs> thank glad. you. I can't wait to come back. I'm gonna have to bring some friends <laughs> yes. next time I come back. Yes. 
bring some friends. Bring some friends, and we'll put it on the program together. That would be really nice. I'd love yes, that. Yes, that would be great. That. Well, I want to say to you, good night, and I want to say to our listening audience, good night as well, to be safe and careful out there, and as I state every week, let poetry ring. And thanks to the callers. Good night, everybody. You have just listened to the quintessential listening poetry online radio podcast with your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And make sure to catch our next episode.